Hi everyone, I'm Summer. I'm Carrie. And this is Hopoxia Podcast. Join us to talk about sex, drugs, and self-improvement. So I don't know if you guys um, know very much about the uh, the Jamie Bulger murder. This happened in 1993 in um, Merseyside in, in the UK, in England. And uh, Robert Thompson and John Venables, two 10-year-old boys, um, lured a two-year-old James Jamie Bulger uh, away from his parents and um, beat the living tar out of him. Um, they pelted him with stones. They threw bricks at him. Mind you, this is a toddler. He is two years old. I, I, I'm going to stress that a few more times as I'm going through this. Um, but like a brick and a toddler, that's not, I mean, okay, don't throw bricks at people sort of in general, but you know, yes. it's obviously with a, when the body's that right. small, it's so much worse. They kicked on him. They stomped on him. Um, they stuffed batteries in his mouth. I mean, they did a bunch of stuff and then they finally dropped a, um, 22 pound, like iron rebar or whatever on his head and it fractures, it fractured his head in 10 different places. And the child did not survive, obviously. Um, or I wouldn't have started that out with the murder of James Boulder, right? It would have been a very different <laughs> headline there. Very different but, story, right. <laughs> but um, as they were, so I actually spent a, uh, some time reacquainting myself with the, with the case last night before we started the, this podcast, because there was... There's one piece of information that I was looking for and I couldn't find it, um, but I found a bunch of other pieces of information, which is, um, you know, super amazing. But um, yeah, I mean, people don't believe that children can do this, but it's a huge, like, yes, yes, they can. And yeah, here's the thing. There were warning signs. There were warning signs. One of these kids was torturing animals repeatedly, right? I mean... This doesn't come out of nowhere, right? Um, you know, if you look up information on Charles Manson, right? Who, I mean, he never killed anybody himself, but he got other people to do it. Um, and so when he was a young child, not just a child, I think just, you know, he was like a school-age child, right? He, um, he moved to a new school and there were some kids that bullied him. And Charlie did what Charlie did for the rest of his fracking life. He surrounded himself with a gaggle of girls who he manipulated into taking vengeance upon the bullies. And when the girls were caught, they, you know, said, but Charlie made us do it. And Charlie pulled a shaggy. Wasn't me. Right. Um, right. But that behavior pattern continued. Right, he didn't stop doing it. He just perfected his techniques until finally Sharon Tate and everybody else in that damn house, including the, you know, unborn baby, were just dead because nobody paid attention when he was a kid. Like, I mean, I think that's sort of a through line in general, right? Like, nobody is paying attention to these kids. They're like, oh, he'll grow out of it. Yeah, but he might not. Right? Like, is that? Are you willing to gamble with other people's lives? Because I'm not. Right. I mean, it's not it's not helpful to just sort of sweep it under the, you know, under the rug. And I mean, the whole thing of like people not wanting to label children 
right Mm -hmm. the labels are there for a reason and you know that reason is you don't give someone with asthma a fracking insulin shot when they can't breathe you don't give somebody with diabetes an inhaler when they're in a blood sugar crash right you need the labels so that you know what the thing is and how to treat it right Mm -hmm. you can't i mean Everyone's like, oh my God, nothing works. Well, of course nothing works if you won't even diagnose it. Right. Like, what the heck? That was, um, my daughter had the same therapist from the age of five to 14. Um, And I loved her very much. She was, um, you know, she was good with the kids and, and she did good work. But that was one thing that she, you know, I don't like to apply big labels, those things. Um, which at the time I thought sounded reasonable, right? Because it's like, you know, well, then it's part of their record and then the school and then, you know, if they need to go to facilities, you know, there are a lot of facilities that if it says conduct disorder on that paper, they will not take them. Um, yep. Most and, of which is a problem. Yes. Yeah. Oh, huge, um, huge. so like, I get it. I get why she didn't want to put it on the paper. What I don't get is why she didn't say it to me. Right. Like be yeah. direct with me. Tell me there was a lot of like, you know, the first time I ever heard her say this is the most callous and unemotional person I have ever dealt with adults included. My child was only like seven years old. Wow. Um, later when she was, I don't know, maybe 10 or 11, I'm guessing. Um, she said to me at some point, she will probably have to go inpatient. And when that day comes, I need you to let it happen. Don't be one of those adults that refuse it, those parents that refuse it, because it will need to happen. Right. Okay. So, so why? Tell me why. <laughs> there was not, no additional information in there. I'm like, what? why do you, oh, you know, why, why do you think that? Because it wasn't like that was being told to me at a time that we were having having a major crisis or, you know, right. like, so she's obviously seeing the severity of all of these things, but never saying it to me. Right. And I called her once, you know, she at uh, 14, she discharged her for, you know, refusing to um, participate in, um, in therapy. She's like for the last entire year, she has refused to participate every single week that we have met, I cannot ethically keep, you know, <laughs> keep treating her when no, no treatment's happening. So she had to discharge her. Right. So then you know, several months later, um, after, I think it was, it was after the first inpatient stay, which that one was the longest. It went like uh, maybe three and a half months or so. Um, Cause she stepped down from acute into residential um, for that one. And after that, um, that was when the outpatient therapist finally, the, for the first person finally got direct with me and I have no idea what my daughter had told her, you know, you have to do when the, the kids get discharged, you have to do a follow-up visit with outpatient clinic for services within 72 hours. So we went to that visit. And so she, you know, she had the paperwork from the facilities that she had just been in and she talked to my daughter. So I don't know what information she got there from those two things, but she came out 
And she specifically, you know, I had my, my son with me and she specifically asked where he was to make sure she did not. She said, I want to talk to you alone, but I want to make sure those two are not left alone together. Okay. Nobody had ever, <laughs> I was the only person ever making sure those two aren't left alone. No clinician had ever expressed that need. Um, mm. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. And so, you know, we, we let him stay in the car and let her stay in the waiting room. And she took me back there and sat me down and said, I need you to understand the level of um, danger your family is in. Mm. And nobody had ever said it that directly to me. And I said, I do. But do you? Right. Cause I'm like surprised. Right. Like she had never, cause everybody has acted like, you know, because usually it's, you know, she would do, she's very charming. She's, she's very charming and she's very intelligent and she knows how to answer things. And, and um, so I don't know if she had made overt threats or if she would had, was just recognizing it, but she is the first one who ever said, what we're looking at is psychopathy. This is not going to get better. And I need to know that you have a way to keep you and your son safe before I let you leave this office. Because if you don't, I have to, you know, make a call, which of course, you know, referring to child welfare to, right. for a failure to keep him safe. And so I explained to her, you know, while she was gone, I had built this place. This is a little one room studio that I had built for her to have basically a little apartment on my land. But that way she didn't have access to us while we were sleeping and things like sure. that. And so she's like, that's good. Well, you know, that's a good part of the, you know, safety plan. We talked about all this. And, and she actually said to me, um, your daughter's behaviors is, exa is exactly online for what we see in serial killers. Mm. And I... And worried that she's going to do something to to uh, one of you. And so, anyhow, the point of this is after that, you know, I get everybody home. I get her settled into her new place, um, which I had hoped was going to help the behaviors, right? Because they were mostly motivated by her wanting to be an adult and go do whatever she wanted, which, you know, is pretty typical 14-year-old behavior. Or thinking, anyway, only... When you get, when you have psychopathy that, you know, expands into things like, so if I murder her, then I can do what I want. Um, yep. So after we got home, I reached out to the previous therapist and I, you know, I, I think I was requesting um, documents or whatever records. And, but when I had her on the phone, I said, they're telling me that this is psychopathy or, you know, since she's a minor, you have to call it combat disorder. And um, she said, yes, I, I think they're right. Okay. Why did it? you say that in the nine years? Like Nine right. years you treated her. Why did you never say that to me? Right. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, and here's... So one of the things, uh, and do do please remind me um, to come back to the failure to protect thing. Um, mm -hmm. something I, there's something I want to say about that, but um, okay. first, I mean, I just, 
the number of clinicians out there who will not tell parents, right? Um, and a huge part of, so here's the thing, right? Be, a huge part of the reason that nobody wants to give a child a, a, a diagnosis of conduct disorder is because there's no funding. They don't get paid. No one will pay for the treatment because right. supposedly nothing works, right? Um, mm -hmm. I got told so that I at thought, every facility she was in. Yeah. was they had to code it as major yep. depressive disorder, even though she wasn't depressed or something like that. Yep. Otherwise, they would have to discharge yep. because insurance would not pay. Lots of DMDD diagnoses, uh, adjustment yeah. orders. <laughs> something, by the way, I've heard for, you know, years from parents is that, you know, and it's not everywhere, you know, but there are places that will charge um parents with failure to protect um and it's i mean there's so many different messed up things i mean so you know first of all if it's a dad right like if it's a or could be a mother you know um hurting a, a her husband right i mean it's not beating the tar out of your spouse is not entirely a male purview mm -hmm. um you know does tend to happen more with men than with women but women still can do it um but like in that instance, right, the spouse who was the, the, you know, being subjected to the abuse, if there were children involved, they can often be jailed for that. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, even when it's their kid, like, and this is the most, I mean, I just think freaking barbaric thing, right? Like, what do you, you won't take my kid every single place I try to get him. They say he's too violent. And now it's my fault that he, I can't like. I don't understand. Like, how can you, how can you point the finger at me when I've been screaming for help and, you know, all y'all are just like, oh, you know, go, go figure it out yourself. Like, mm -hmm. oh, he's too violent to, oh my God. I've had so many parents tell me that their kids have, you know, I mean, well, first and foremost, they just aren't accepted into these facilities because they're too violent, which hello, that's the reason we're sending them to you. Like I can't as a mother, right. Um, and even if I had, you know, even if my husband was down or let's say that we're, you know, like it was another set of parents, right? Like even if there were four of us parenting, right. Four people can't constantly keep eyes on a child 24 hours a day to make sure that they don't hurt their siblings. Right. We have to pee, we have to eat. At some point we have to sleep, um, theoretically anyway. I mean, much, most of us don't sleep too terribly much, but like, you know, I mean, it's nobody does anything until it's too late and then they can incarcerate them. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely ridiculous. I, I do wanna say though, that not everybody with psychopathy um, is violent and not everybody with psychopathy right. is a criminal. So that's, I think something that really you know, people need to understand that because it's not, you know, like, like everything, right? Like psychopathy is a spectrum disorder. I mean, and one could argue that, you know, humanity is a spectrum conditioned as well, right? There are all these various different, mm -hmm. you know, flavors and not everybody is, you know, everybody who has psychopathy is violent and not all of them are criminals. That's something that we don't really you know, it's not something we really uh, address or, or think about or talk about as a society. 
Um, but I think the most, you know, most important thing is providing places for like, there needs to be some place where the really, really violent children can go and not hurt their families in their community. Um, you know, the ripple effects from one of these children is enormous. Yeah, I, uh, I did a poll in, um, oh yeah, I forgot that part of my intro, sorry. Um, so in, in 2014, when my son, I think it was 2000, yeah, it was 2014, was when my son was finally diagnosed with conduct disorder, came back, went, oh, well, obviously what I need to do is look up a support group. Cool. I'll just, you know, that's what I did for everything. I, when I did the, uh, the Asperger, oh, this is the tangent I went off on because of the, um, because of the support group, right? Because that was the first thing I did when I got the diagnosis of, you know, Asperger's, right? I joined an Asperger support group. Um, and then I was able to learn from the parents and they could point me to resources and, you know, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Um, and so this is, you know, this is something I've done my whole life, or at least, you know, probably post, like as a small child, obviously I wasn't doing that, but, you know, you, you have a problem, you go to a support group, right? That's, you go talk to the people who've been through the thing and they will help you through the thing, whatever the thing is. And so I was like, okay, this is great. I'll just, I'll go find a, a, a conduct disorder support group. And I couldn't find one. I was like, okay, well, you know, maybe there's not one here in California. Maybe there's some place, you know, you know, somewhere in the United States. Nope. Okay, well, maybe there's some place in the UK. Like, they speak English there, right? Like, maybe somebody could give me some resources. Um, and at that point, so this is 2014. This is before um, Dr. Keel's book, The Psychopath Whisperer, came out. So I didn't know, because book, his book came out in 2015. So at that particular point in time, um, first and foremost, I didn't know that the word I wanted was psychopathy. I thought it was sociopathy. Um, so I read, um, oh, man, if, if you had the word sociopath or sociopathy anywhere in your book title, you got a call from me. Um, and uh, also Bad Boys, Bad Men by, by uh, Donald Black. He also got a call from me. Um, and I asked all these guys and, and women, like, okay, well, so I have, you know, I have this, this thing. I have, I have my child has conduct disorder where are the support groups for parents like me? And every single person said the same thing, almost verbatim. Oh, I don't know of any, but if you ever find out, let me know, because that's the first thing parents ask me. They're being asked this by every single parent and nobody's created a support group. And I was like, that's really weird. Why didn't anybody, it's like, okay, well, fine. I'll just, you know, I guess I'll start, a ch oh crap. Oh, the reason nobody started a support group is because they have to put their freaking name on it so people can contact them. Like, yeah. oh, oh man, now I, oh, like somebody has to step out first and say publicly, this is my kid. So I did that. Although I did, um, I did sort of, I don't know if you guys, have you guys seen Twilight, the Twilight series? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, yes. I know. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> well, there's this scene where um, it doesn't really matter what's going on. I'm, I'm not, you know, we're not here to discuss Twilight, but they did this really interesting cinematic thing where one of the characters is um, 
depressed and she's sitting in a in a chair just sort of like staring down she's not engaged in the world and they sort of like it's just like january february march like she doesn't move from the spot right like she's just sort of there and that's how i was for about 36 hours i sat in our you know office chair in our office and just sort of like stared at the ground going, i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to put my name on this like i don't want to do this like that's going to be, oh man. And then I just have about 36, it, you know, I was trying to convince myself that it would be okay if I didn't do this. Um, and ultimately it wasn't, um, you know, I have a, and so I sort of thought that, um, I just, I sort of thought that people like people out there would know like I would know X, Y, and Z portion of this and somebody else would know A, B, C portion. Somebody else would know one, two, three. And we kind of sort of, you know, combine our, you know, pool our knowledge and, you know, together, rah, rah, save the world, right? Um, and instead what happened was everybody kept asking me questions and expecting me to know the answers. So I figured I'd better know the answers. <laughs> so I started doing a bunch of, you know, research and, um, you know, all of that stuff, but I was, I was really trying to talk myself out of, or not talk myself out of, like, I just sort of like in my gut, I was like, yeah, I have, I, I have to do this. And it doesn't matter if, you know, we're in the papers or, you know, it's ugly in our community for us and nobody wants us to do this. Like this has to get, you know, it has to get done. Um, and they just, I mean, ultimately it boils down to what kind of an asshole sees that there's a problem like this in our world, knows they have a particular skill set that could make a difference with that and that nobody else is doing what needs to be done? What kind of asshole mm -hmm. just walks away from that and doesn't do something about it, right? right? And that's ultimately where, you know, where I came down with that that whole thing. And um, so I did. And um it's definitely like, it's, I mean, and, and here's the thing I wanted to like, from the, from the time I started it, started uh, parents of children with conduct disorder, it was always international. Um, because one of the things that I realized very quickly is that, um, you know, it's not a problem here in the United States. It's not a problem in English speaking countries. It's not a problem on the American continent, right? It's a problem everywhere, no everywhere. matter what. I mean, and I think that's part of, um, you know, I think that's part of why nothing gets done about it, right? Is everybody treats it like, oh, there's psychopathy in the UK, there's psychopathy in Iowa, there's psychopathy in Jamestown, right? Like they're very specific localized things, but that's not, I mean, it is a problem worldwide and nothing is going to change until we all, you know, work together to eliminate that. I mean, you can't just ignore, well, okay, rephrase that. You can just ignore it and you'll keep getting what we've got, right? It's a, psychopathy is a neurodevelopmental disorder and the time to treat a neurodevelopmental disorder is in childhood. If you don't identify them before they are three, you are too late. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel and to be sure you never miss an upload, make sure you turn your notifications on. And please come join us on social media so we can continue these conversations in between episodes. You'll find us at Hypoxia Podcast 
on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok.